Hi, it's Molly. Here's something special I think you're really going to enjoy. It's an eerie episode from the new Spotify original from Parcast, Superstitions. If this is your first taste of this fantastic series, you're in for a real treat. So if you like what you hear, be sure to follow Superstitions free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever watched a hound chase a rabbit? The rabbit and its larger cousin, the hare, have been known for their incredible speed since before the days of the Greek fabulist Aesop. But the hound is stronger, its legs longer, and unless the rabbit's burrow is nearby, the hound eventually catches up. Its frothing jaws snap shut in a flash of white, and that's when the rabbit makes its move. It turns on a dime, pivoting on large, flat hind feet before bounding away in a new direction. By the time the hound manages to turn, it's already too late. The rabbit is gone. For centuries, the rabbit's skill at outsmarting larger predators has made it a subversive and empowering symbol. A reminder that it's not always the strongest that wins the day and that luck favors the clever. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could steal a bit of that cleverness for ourselves? That's the thinking behind today's superstition, a centuries-old bit of folklore that encourages us to harness the luck of the rabbit's foot. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. Our world is a strange place, full of unsettling patterns and idiosyncrasies we struggle to understand. It is here, at the intersection of chaos and fate, that we find superstitions. We'll tell stories illustrating the horror, the weirdness, and the truth behind these beliefs. We'll explore how they began and what their continued existence says about the fragile human mind. Today, we're exploring an age-old superstition that has roots in cultures from around the world and is still practiced today, carrying a rabbit's foot as a good luck charm. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, we explore one of the world's most subversive superstitions. From four-leaf clovers to horseshoes to lucky coins, we're always on the lookout for some charm or token to give our luck an extra boost. But few of these talismans are as unique and enduring as the rabbit's foot. The precise rules vary and can get dizzyingly specific. Some believers insist that it has to be the left hind foot of the rabbit, or that it must be kept in the carrier's left pocket to be effective. Others suggest that the foot has to be removed while the rabbit is still alive, 
or that the rabbit should be killed on the grave of a criminal. One early 20th century salesman vouched for his wares by saying the rabbit was killed in a cemetery at midnight on Friday the 13th by a cross-eyed, red-headed black man riding a white horse. Racism aside, it's noteworthy that these rules all involve some kind of bad omen, as if the more sinister the circumstances of the rabbit's death, the luckier its foot becomes. This is a key aspect of this talisman. The negative power of the evil omen is subverted through the killing of the rabbit and turned into a protective shield for whoever carries it. Folklorist Bill Ellis calls this concept backward elements. In a sense, the rabbit's foot becomes more than a simple amulet. It's a signifier of reclaimed power, a way of turning things on their head to outsmart stronger forces, like the rabbit outsmarting the hound, or like the characters in today's story. It concerns a couple of low-level career criminals who spent their life ducking from the law, until an improbable talisman brought a sudden change in fortune. Darius exploded through the back entrance of the auction hall with the package clutched tightly under one arm. He didn't slow his pace as the alarm began to blare or as the two security guards came running out after him. Griffin was waiting for him at the far end of the parking lot in the yellow Pontiac Firebird. Darius crossed the lot in an instant, slid across the Firebird's hood, wrenched the passenger door open and dove in. Griffin stepped on the gas and they were away. Neither of the thieves breathed a word as they sped through traffic. Darius gripped the grab handle above the window so tightly that his knuckles turned white. Griffin's face was an expressionless mask, as if held in place by the same hair products that maintained his impressive bright red pompadour. Red! shouted Darius. Griffin slammed the brakes and the Firebird skidded to a halt in front of a stoplight. Darius's eyes widened. A police cruiser had come to a stop across the intersection. He could see the cop inside staring right at them and reaching for his radio. At that moment, another yellow Pontiac Firebird hurdled through the intersection at speed. The police cruiser's lights flashed as it turned to chase the car. Seconds later, four more police vehicles sped past the thieves, joining the chase for the other Firebird. The light changed. Griffin started forward, now moving with the flow of traffic. Talk about a close shave, exclaimed Griffin when they were sure the police lights had faded from view. We would have been done if that other firebird hadn't run that light. He glanced over at Darius, who was carefully opening the package he'd taken from the auction hall. I thought Arnie said not to open that. If we don't look, how do we know we're not being underpaid? Darius shot back. If I just stole the Hope Diamond, I might want to renegotiate my fee. Darius got the box opened and took out a tiny black velvet bag. He opened the drawstring and peered inside. Well, it's not the Hope Diamond, he said. He pulled out a furry grey object and held it up for his partner to see. 
It was a rabbit's foot, attached to a simple silver chain. Darius reached into the box for the accompanying card and read aloud, This rabbit's foot belonged to Grover Cleveland, 22nd and 24th President of the United States of America. The rabbit was said to have been killed on the grave of the outlaw Jesse James in 1884 during Cleveland's first presidential campaign. Starting price? 23,000 US dollars. Griffin scoffed. 20k for an old rabbit's foot? You gotta be kidding me! Presidential memorabilia is always inflated, said Darius. You pay for the history. Griffin wasn't convinced. Does Arnie strike you as a history buff? Arnie doesn't strike me as an anything buff, said Darius. Hey, but you're into rabbits, right? That's what they called you when you fought cage matches, yeah? Griffin the bunny man or something? Griffin the hare. And not hare as in rabbit. H-A-I-R. As in... Griffin pointed to his pristine, perfectly molded shell of red hair. Oh, right. <laughs> Darius chuckled. Because whatever you put in there could knock a man out. Because I look good, Griffin snapped. Shut up and give me that thing. He reached over to snatch the rabbit's foot from Darius. With one hand still on the wheel, he looped the chain around the rearview mirror so that the amulet dangled over the center console. We've got 700 miles to go and the cops are still looking for us, he said with a grin. I don't think Arnie will mind if we borrow some luck. The Firebird maintained a steady pace, and the urban sprawl soon gave way to endless cornfields. Darius reclined his seat, hoping to steal a few moments of sleep before it was his turn to drive. He was just starting to drift off when he was jolted awake by a loud bang. Darius shot up in his seat. Griffin was cursing furiously. The Firebird's rear driver-side tire had blown out. The red-headed thief fought to control the steering wheel, but was unable to stop the car from swerving wildly into the next lane. Angry honks sounded in response as cars barreled past, coming dangerously close to clipping the Firebird. Griffin desperately pumped the brakes and finally skidded to a stop in the grass beside the highway. Both thieves got out to survey the damage. There was no hope of patching that tire. It was completely shredded. Darius popped the trunk, and his brow furrowed. Uh, Griff? Where's the donut? Griffin stalked over and rifled through the trunk. There was no spare tire. This is not my fault, Griffin insisted. Arnie sent the car. How was I supposed to know it wasn't fitted with a spare? What getaway driver doesn't inspect his vehicle before a job? Darius shouted. Darius stormed off into the weeds alongside the highway to cool off. Griffin whipped out his phone and began scrolling through the Maps app, inspecting the route ahead. He estimated the Firebird could probably make it a mile or so on the flat, but they were in the middle of nowhere. Griffin's eyes narrowed as a tiny icon appeared on the screen. He tapped the circle and an ad popped up. Red Creek Casino and Lodge. 45 minutes later, the Firebird rolled into the casino parking lot. A sign announced that they were now on an Ojibwe tribe reservation. The building itself looked like a Costco done up in Christmas lights. 
Griffin went to check in while Darius called Arnie. He was none too pleased to hear about their predicament. Stay put and try not to muck anything else up. I'm sending someone to meet you, Arnie barked. And keep that giant leprechaun partner of yours out of sight. He's like a walking billboard. The line went dead. Darius pocketed the phone and looked up to see Griffin approaching, grinning from ear to ear and juggling a pair of green poker chips. Look, free money, he said with a grin, tossing one of the chips to Darius. It's not free. It's built into the cost of the room, said Darius. Boss wants us to sit tight. Someone's coming to pick up the foot. Guess we stopped at the right place then, said Griffin, tossing the green coin and catching it again. The room wasn't much to look at, but the thieves had seen worse. Darius locked the rabbit foot inside the room safe, then dropped onto one of the twin beds for a nap while Griffin showered. He emerged from the bathroom a half hour later, humming cheerily to himself. He pulled a heavy metal briefcase out of his luggage and set it on the second bed. Darius raised an eyebrow. Tell me you're not carrying, man, he said warily. This job doesn't pay enough to catch an armed robbery charge. Griffin winked and popped the case open. Course I'm carrying. Wouldn't be caught dead without it, he said, assembling the piece of chrome hardware with the precision and speed of a Navy SEAL sniper. It was a bulky, incredibly expensive-looking hairdryer. Darius rolled his eyes and got up to take his turn in the shower. When he emerged, Griffin was gone. Darius assumed his partner had headed down to the casino to spend his $25 chip. He wasn't interested in gambling himself, but he was starving. He had just pulled on his jeans and shirt and was getting ready to go out in search of food when he heard a knock. Darius opened the door to find a tall, incredibly skinny man in a grey flat cap standing in the hallway. He had a large duffel bag slung over one shoulder. Arnie sent me, said the man by way of introduction. You can count the cash out on the bed, said Darius, waving the man into the room. Darius knelt beside the room safe in the corner and punched in the code. The safe swung open. The rabbit's foot was gone. The only thing inside the safe was Griffin's chrome hairdryer. Something the matter? asked the man in the grey cap. All's good, Darius called over his shoulder. He pulled out the hairdryer, desperately hoping that the bag had gotten pushed behind it, but there was nothing. You know what? I just remembered we were going to put it in the safe, but then we left it in the luggage, said Darius. Did you now? said the man in the grey cap. Darius's eyes widened as the faint, familiar click of a pistol's hammer sounded behind him. Coming up, the hounds close in. Now, back to the story. The sound of a pistol cocking echoed in Darius's ears. He was crouched at the hotel room safe which was empty aside from his partner's chrome hairdryer. The rabbit foot was gone. Darius looked into the reflective surface of the hairdryer. The man with the grey cap stood behind him, aiming a silenced pistol at the back of his skull. Darius moved on instinct, ducking and hurling the hairdryer over his shoulder as hard as he could. 
It struck the man in the shoulder, and he fired into the open safe. Darius slammed his shoulder into his attacker's ribs, sending the man stumbling backward into the TV set. He didn't look back as he bolted out of the room. While things were looking dire for Darius, Griffin's luck had taken a turn for the better. He had wasted no time in heading down to the casino floor, where he'd settled up to the first craps table he found. The first few bets had gone well, and he'd grown a bit bolder, and then much bolder. In an amazingly short time, the single $25 chip had transformed into a sizable pile. He howled with delight as the dice landed on 11 and the dealer passed him his winnings. That's what I'm talking about, he exclaimed, pulling the rabbit's foot out of his left pocket and kissing it. He was sure Darius wouldn't mind that he'd borrowed it from the hotel room safe for a few minutes. The only other person at the table was a broad-shouldered Ojibwe man wearing cowboy boots and an enormous belt buckle. He smiled at Griffin as he reached for his own winnings. Looks like you got one mighty potent charm there, said the man in a friendly voice. I might share your table a bit longer. Stay as long as you feel like winning, grinned Griffin. Just follow my bets and hang on tight. The Ojibwe man grabbed his coat and moved to a closer seat. He raised his beer in a toast. Always glad to make a new friend. Name's Eugene. The dealer cleared the board and they placed their next bets. Eugene gestured toward the rabbit foot again. You see a lot of trinkets like that here. Gamblers love their talismans. Coins and shamrocks and lucky undershorts. Never got into them myself, but I always thought there was something romantic about a rabbit foot. Griffin looked at the foot and frowned. Really? I think it's barbaric. He rolled and won again. Eugene continued unfazed. Rabbits and hares are special animals. They're clever. My people tell stories about the spirit Nanabojo, the great hare. At the beginning of the world, he was given the task of naming all the plants and animals, but he was also a cunning trickster. I used to love those stories, but these days I'm not much a fan of tricksters. Probably the job. What do you do? Griffin asked. Eugene reached into his coat pocket for something, which he set on the railing of the table. Griffin's stomach did a somersault. The words tribal police stared back at him from the star-shaped badge. By the way, you wouldn't happen to be the owner of that yellow firebird in the parking lot, would you? Eugene said in the same friendly manner. Griffin looked up and met his eyes. He smiled apologetically and said, State Sheriff's Office will be here any minute. Don't run. Griffin nodded solemnly. Then he shouted, free money at the top of his lungs and hurled his pile of chips onto the floor. Eugene didn't have time to hop down from his chair before someone crashed into him, clawing for the chips. Griffin raced to the exit. His expression switched from panic to confusion at the sight of Darius sprinting straight for him. D, we gotta get out of here, Griffin began before his partner cut him off. Grey hat, gun, was all Darius could get out. Griffin looked past him just in time to see a man in a grey flat cap step off the elevator. He spotted the thieves and started running toward them. 
it was clear that both of the thieves' stories would have to wait for later. They flew through the lobby, dodging patrons and hurtling over tables. It wasn't until they were in the parking lot that they remembered what had brought them to the casino in the first place. The Firebird's tire was still shredded. There was nothing for it. Griffin started the engine while Darius clambered into the passenger seat. The car bucked and bounced painfully as they sped out onto the highway. Darius turned in his seat to see a grey sedan pull out of the parking lot behind them. There was a burst of light from the driver's side and the Firebird's back window exploded. What's this guy's problem? Darius asked angrily. 23,000 is a hell of a lot for a rabbit's foot, but not enough for murder or to get yourself arrested. No man, it's really lucky, said Griffin seriously. 20k is a steal. Just drive faster, Darius snapped. We'll wreck the suspension, Griffin protested. Darius stared at him, mouth agape. Griff, it's a stolen car. Griffin floored it doing his best to keep the car from swerving too violently. But within moments, a new problem presented itself. Red and blue lights flashed up ahead. A police officer scurried across the highway, dropping a chain of traffic spikes. It was a roadblock. Darius groaned, and Griffin started to slow. But the wind of another bullet made him think twice. What are you doing? Darius asked as the Firebird accelerated. Griffin fished into his pocket for the rabbit's foot and hung it on the rearview mirror. Up ahead, police scattered, but the grey sedan sped even faster, its nose pressed against the Firebird's bumper. Darius looked over his shoulder and down the barrel of the gun. At that moment, Griffin slammed the brakes and wrenched the steering wheel hard to the left throwing the Firebird into a sharp spin. The grey sedan shot past. It flew over the barricade, puncturing its tires on the road spikes and slamming into two of the unoccupied police vehicles. Darius let out a jubilant shout as the Firebird skidded to a stop. Griffin hit the gas again and they started back in the direction they'd come. A horrible grinding sound was coming from the tire but they were still moving. He looked through the shattered rear window to see four officers wrestling the man with the grey cap to the ground. It looked like no one had been injured, but the crash had produced enough chaos that no one was pursuing them at the moment. You are so lucky that worked, said Darius, turning back around and shaking his head in disbelief. It's not me, it's the foot said Griffin. Darius glanced up at the rabbit's foot and the glint of something shiny caught his eye. He leaned forward and scratched at the bottom. A small, sparkly, pebble-sized object fell out of a small hole into his hand. It was a diamond. Darius looked back at the foot and saw more of the stones peeking out from the tear. Arnie. You old fox, he muttered. He turned to Griffin with a grin. I knew he didn't know bunk about history. Like catching the rabbit itself, 
Tracing the origins of this superstition is a tricky matter, not due to a lack of information, but because it could have roots in a few different cultures. One possible origin is a group of Celtic tribes that lived in Western Europe around 600 BCE. According to author Rudolf Brasch, these hunters revered rabbits because they burrowed underground, placing them closer to the underworld where the gods and spirits lived. As time went by, the rabbit and hare became a more sinister symbol for Europeans. Like black cats, they were seen as a popular familiar for witches, and a creature that witches frequently turned into. But that didn't stop them from finding good in rabbit's feet. One early record of the superstition comes from Reginald Scott's The Discovery of Witchcraft, published in 1584. It claims that keeping bones from a hare's foot would ward off abdominal cramps and arthritis pains. This seems like another one of those reverse elements I mentioned earlier, as if the charm has taken the devilish power of the witch and turned it into a blessing for the user. References to the rabbit's foot charm petered out in Europe after the Middle Ages, but they re-emerged a few hundred years later across the Atlantic in the African-American spiritual tradition of hoodoo. Hoodoo was developed in African-American communities living under slavery, combining African traditions with Christian elements and even Native American folklore and medicine. Keeping rabbit feet talismans was not uncommon among hoodoo practitioners, but it would soon spread into mainstream American culture as well, even going as high as the White House itself. The rabbit foot from today's story was inspired by a real one supposedly owned by Grover Cleveland. Because hoodoo is such an amalgamation of influences, it's possible that the modern rabbit's foot superstition was inspired by the old Celtic traditions or by Native American folklore. Nanabojo, the Ojibwe trickster spirit mentioned in today's story, was a trickster spirit known for taking the shape of a rabbit. And there are strong similarities between Nanabojo and another trickster from African-American culture, the folk character Br'er Rabbit. The adventures of Br'er or Brother Rabbit were popularized by African-Americans living under slavery and, like Hoodoo, they grew out of myths they brought with them from Africa. Br'er Rabbit stories almost always involve the mischievous trickster outsmarting a larger predator. While they were a source of humor for the slaves who told them, modern historians see them as instructional tales that taught listeners how to survive in an inhumane and unjust system. The rabbit's foot continues this tradition, offering users a chance to harness the cleverness of the animal. As folklorist Bill Ellis put it, the rabbit's foot belief, no matter how straightforward or campy to many who perpetuated it, connects to a complex body of folk beliefs and practice dealing with symbolic substitutes used to concretize and territorialize the power of the other. In Anglo-American tradition, perhaps the rabbit's foot unconsciously symbolized the power of a witch or ethnic newcomer to threaten entrenched power structures, while for African-Americans, 
it may have been a means to challenge a discriminatory legal system. Too often, humans sort ourselves into predators and prey. Those who have been othered by mainstream society need the cleverness of the rabbit to survive in a world that's always hunting them. Perhaps the rabbit's feet charm is a way of reminding ourselves of that fact. Because when the hounds come out and the chips are down, we could all use a little extra cleverness and luck. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Superstitions was written by Andrew Kelleher. I'm Alastair Murden. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, remember to follow Superstitions free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes air weekly every Wednesday.